It's Sunday, July 4th, and we want to welcome you to the Winkler Berktaller Mennonite Church service. We trust that you have been enjoying the summertime, and we pray that as you worship with us this morning, your heart and soul will be refreshed with the Word of God. This morning, we want to go back and take a look in Daniel chapter 5 with a message entitled, Speaking the Truth in a Volatile Situation, Part 1. Our first song if you want to sing today is What Mercy and Divine Compassion.
Thank you, Helen, for leading us in that song. I'm glad you're all with us this morning. And, of course, we want to welcome everyone here from wherever you are, all our members, all our regular attenders, and all those who maybe are new attenders. We don't even know who's attending this church these days. Uh, but you're all welcome, and we're glad to have you with us. I'll just go through a few announcements this morning, and then we'll open with some scripture and prayer. Our missionaries of the week are uh, K&K. Uh, Vacation Bible School is uh, being planned by, by members of the Education Committee, and they ask your prayers in this matter. If you have any suggestions or comments or would like to volunteer, please contact Anna Friesen. The number is in the bulletin. Also, uh, you received an email uh, during the week about Hands Canada, a fundraising concert they call Praise and Raise. Uh, there are details in the bulletin for that as well. And that will happen, or so, sorry, no, it's not in the bulletin. It'll be in the bulletin next week. And uh, that is on Saturday, July 17 at 7 p.m. at the EMMC Church. Worship services on Channel 12 have changed from what we are used to. Uh, Sunday morning services are not being aired anymore, but you'll still be able to see our services on, uh, on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Pastor Dean is going to be on vacation from July 12 to August 2nd. Uh, also, Winkler Bible Camp is looking for, a, for medical officers for the summer camp. So again, there are some details in the bulletin. Uh, have a look at that if you're interested. And we want to uh, pray for people in our community who are uh, working in some rather hot weather. Uh, you'll see there, pray for our factory and foundry workers who work in these extreme heat conditions. And of course, there are also others uh, working outside under the sun, and let's also pray for rain. I spoke to someone uh, today, and rain is just very much needed. Uh, rain has been spotty in the last uh, little while, and so some places have had rain, but others have had none. And, uh, and why don't we pray that we know that God is the one we trust to, uh, to fill our hands, so why don't we open our hands to him and trust him to, to provide. Then we have a few people uh, that have health concerns. Uh, Jane Brown is under, continuing to undergo treatment uh, to avoid further loss of eyesight. Uh, I spoke to her and things are going well, but we, uh, uh, we are hopeful that the treatment that she is on will, will be successful. So pray about that. Also, uh, Peter Penner, Eva's Peter, is waiting for heart surgery. John Clausen continues to recover at home from his heart surgery. Uh, Helen Hebert, uh, let's remember her. She's in palliative care at Tabor. And at Boundary Trails is Betty Reimer and Dave Dick and Jacob J. Dick. So let's keep all these people in our prayers. And then finally, uh, an announcement of passing. Uh, David Dreger passed away on Thursday, June 24th. Uh, he is a brother-in-law to Dorothy Friesen. I thought I would read for us this morning a passage from Psalm 68. It speaks, uh, I guess you could say, of, of God's sovereignty, of his, uh, his, his rule, and the, the good of the, 
the good that is there for the righteous and the judgment that will be there for the, for the unrighteous. So listen to these words from Psalm 68. God shall arise, his enemies shall be scattered, and those who hate him shall flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so you shall drive them away. As wax melts before fire, so the wicked shall perish before God. But the righteous shall be glad. They shall exult before God. They shall be jubilant with joy. Sing to God. Sing praises to his name. Lift up a song to him who rides through the deserts. His name is the Lord. Exult before him. Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. God settles the solitary in a home. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity. But the rebellious dwell in a parched land. O God, when you went out before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, the earth quaked, the heavens poured down rain. Before God, the one of Sinai, before God, the God of Israel, rain in abundance, O God, you shed abroad. You restored your inheritance as it languished. Your flock found a dwelling in it, In your goodness, O God, you provided for the needy. First ten verses of Psalm 68. Well, our God is a just God. And the righteous are secure in him. And who are the righteous? The righteous are not described as those who live sinless lives. The righteous are those who believe God. And believing God means that we believe the scriptures and we accept them as what they actually are, the word of God. And those who believe God, believe his word and hold it to be true. And in this word, God tells us that we are sinful. He tells us that he loves us and he calls us to trust in his son in whom alone is found forgiveness of sin and eternal life. The unrighteous do not believe God, and judgment will come upon them. Therefore, knowing that we who believe are secure in Christ, we rejoice at the justice of our God. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we thank you this day that you are God in heaven, that you are God and there is no other that you are sovereign over all that you have made and that there is reward for the righteous and judgment for the unrighteous and that the, differ- and the difference is that, uh, that the believer believes and the unbeliever does not believe. That is the difference. And so, Father, may all your people join their hearts together this morning and say, praise be to you. For you have rescued us from the jaws of the wicked. And you have put our feet in a safe place. And we can trust you. Father, because we can trust you, we also bring before you our prayer requests. And today, Father, we bring before you K&K. You know where they are. You know the work that they do. 
You know the needs that they have. And we pray, Father, that you would speak to those needs today. That, they would, that you would work things out that they are struggling with. That you would grant health to their bodies and especially to their relationships. And that you would protect their faith and protect their marriage. Father, we commit them to your hand and ask that you would work on their behalf for the good of the kingdom. We also pray, Father, for our VBS and pray that you would help us to work things out. You know those who are involved and we, uh, we ask you to raise up some to volunteer who will step forward and be part of this to bring the gospel to children. Father, we also thank you that our services are, are continued to be broadcast and even though we have lost a spot for Sunday mornings, Channel 12 is still broadcasting and we thank you for that. We thank you that we also can broadcast on YouTube and, and, uh, and through the distribution of uh, DVDs and CDs. Thank you, Father, that we can do that. We also thank you, Father, for the many who work in this community and are working in very hot conditions. It seems to be a bit of an exceptional year with the wind and the heat. And we pray, Father, that you would protect those who are out there. And we also pray, Father, that you will send rain. We cannot make it rain. We can do nothing except wait on you. And so, Father, we, it's with uh, open hands that we ask you to fill them. You know our need, and you know that with, without answering it, uh, we, are in, we are in a dire place. And so we ask you, Father, to send rain and to cause the land to be fruitful. And Father, we also pray for those who are undergoing various health concerns. Some are uh, listed in our bulletin, and we know there are many more. And so, Father, we lift today before you Jane Brown, and we pray that her, her uh, treatments will do what, what the doctors hope they will do. We pray for Peter that you will bring about his heart surgery we thank you that John is recovering, John Clausen, and we pray for Helen Hebert, who is in palliative care, and, and pray, Father, that you would protect her faith and help her to walk with confidence and with joy to the end of her days, waiting to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. And we also pray for our people who are at Boundary Trails, Betty Reimer, Dave Dick, and Jacob Dick. Father, you know the condition of each one, and uh, especially... Uh, well, especially all of them. Uh, we need your healing touch. And we also know that the day comes when you take us home. You know each situation, and you know what you want to do with it. I pray that you would prepare us for what is coming, and that we would continue to acknowledge that you are God and trust you for our lives. Father, we also then pray for the family of David Dreger and pray that you would... Um, be with his family, that you'd grant them comfort, anchor them in your peace, and that if there are any members of the family that do not yet know you, that you would draw them to yourself. Father, we also now want to remember that we want to give back of the abundance with which, with which you have blessed us. You've given us so much, and we have so much to be thankful for, and we are. And so, Father, as we return our gifts to you, we pray that you would use them. There, we know there are many needs. We pray that you would find the best use for them. Thank you now, Father, for this service and for this day. We ask that you would uh, be with Pastor Dean as he speaks to us this morning from the book of Daniel. 
Would you bless his mind and his lips and his words as he speaks to us and give us ears to hear and hearts to understand. We ask these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The next song we're singing is uh, called Wake the Song of Jubilee. do the nation's rage.
Good morning, boys and girls. I'm so excited that we can have a time of worship again, and I'm glad that you're joining. This morning, we want to learn about listening to God's voice and obeying. In the land of Israel, there lived a husband and a wife, Elkanah and Hannah. They loved the Lord, and they loved each other. And once a year, they went up to a place called Shiloh. That's where the big tabernacle stood. That was the place where people gathered to do sacrifices to the Lord and to pray. That's where also the priest lived, Eli. So one year, Elkanah and Hannah went up again to Shiloh, and they presented their sacrifices But Hannah had a very sad heart. She so badly wanted for them to have a family like other people had, but they had no child. So after the sacrifice, she went and prayed in a special place all by herself. And the priest Eli noticed her. And when he found out what she prayed about, he said, Go home. God will answer your prayer. But you know what? Hannah had prayed, she prayed, if God would answer her prayers and give them a baby boy, she would give him back to him that he would serve God all his life. And God answered that prayer. One day they had a little boy and they named him Samuel. So Hannah and Elkanah knew they had only a few short years to spend at home with Samuel So they took every opportunity to tell him of God's love and how he was supposed to live for him and obey him. When he was just a young boy, then Hannah and Elkanah together went again to Shiloh to pray and bring a sacrifice to God. This time they took Samuel with them, and Hannah had prepared special clothes and other stuff for Samuel because he was going to stay in the tabernacle with Eli and he would need a lot of stuff for one year because they came to Shiloh only once a year. So when they came, Hannah said to Eli, here is the boy that I prayed for. God answered, and now I bring him back to serve the Lord all his life. And she prayed a special prayer of thanksgiving to God because her heart was so filled with joy that God had answered prayers. Samuel stayed with Eli, and he learned to do a lot of tasks in the tabernacle. He was obedient and very observant to learn. One night when he was sleep, had, had laid down to sleep, he heard a voice calling him. He quickly got up and ran to the room where Eli was sleeping and said, You called me. What do you want? Eli said, No, I didn't call you. Go back and lay down. So Samuel did. After a while, he heard his name being called again. He got up, went to Eli, and Eli said again, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. All of a sudden, he heard the voice again calling him, Samuel. He got up the third time, walked to Eli's room, and said, 
here I am. You called me. By this time, Eli realized that God was speaking to Samuel. He had never spoken to Samuel, so God didn't recognize, Samuel didn't recognize God's voice. So Eli said to Samuel, go and lie down again. I didn't call you, but if you hear that voice again, then say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Samuel went back to his place, lay down. It didn't take long, and then he heard a voice, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel answered, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Then God spoke to him gave him a message about things that were going to happen. Samuel listened well, and he obeyed everything that God had told him. He continued living in the temple, and God started to talk frequently to him, telling him of messages that Samuel was to tell the people of Israel when they came to worship. Now, as a grown man, He became a very good teacher, a preacher, and somebody that knew how to settle things if people didn't agree. So he walked from one town to the next, always teaching the people how they should be walking in the ways of the Lord. As he became old, the people of Israel asked him to make them a king. Samuel was very sad when He heard that because that meant that God wouldn't be listened to as well as before because now there would be a king instead of Samuel listening to God's word and then telling the people. But God told Samuel, do what they're asking from you. So he did. When the day came to choose a king, uh, the, the choice was for, fell on a young man named Saul. He was a strong man, and he loved the Lord as well. So Samuel blessed Saul, and he anointed him to be the king of Israel. Once he had done that, he faced the whole congregation of the people from Israel that had gathered together, and he said, I have walked before you from very young on. Now I'm old. I ask you, have I ever done any harm to any of you? Have I ever taken gifts so that I would do favors for you? Have I ever stolen anything from anybody? And the people said, no, you have not. You have walked rightly before us. You have taught us the word of the Lord. And Samuel said, Thank you. God is the witness that I have tried to live right before you. And the people loved and honored and respected Samuel. But now that they had a king, there was less pressure on Samuel. But Samuel said, I will never stop to pray for you and still keep on teaching you the ways of the Lord. Now, nowadays, God doesn't speak to us like he did to Samuel with a voice that we hear. But we have the word of God 
the Bible. God's word is written down in here, and it's very important that we learn to read the Bible, listen to it, and memorize it from very young on already. And there's a special verse, Psalm 119, verse 105. It says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light on my path. That is a good verse to memorize and always keep in mind. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have your word. We thank you that you speak to us through it and that we can memorize it and always remember it. And as we go into this summer, keep us close to you. Amen. Now, I have a special request of you. This summer, when you're spending extra time with your parents and your grandparents, ask them to tell you stories of where God has answered their prayers. It should be quite interesting. Today's scripture reading is from Daniel chapter 5, verses 1 to 17. King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem, so that the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines might drink from them. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines, drank from them. As they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver, a bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Suddenly, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall, near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale, and he was so frightened that his knees knocked together and his legs gave way. The king called out for the enchanters, astrologers, and diviners to be brought and said to these wise men of Babylon, Whoever reads this writing and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around his neck, and he will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or tell the king what it meant. So King Belshazzar became even more terrified, and his face grew more pale. His nobles were baffled. The queen, hearing the voices of the king and his nobles, came into the banquet hall. O king, live forever, she said. Don't be alarmed. Don't look so pale. There is a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. In the time of your father, he was found to have insight and intelligence and wisdom like that of the gods. King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, I say, appointed him chief of the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. This man, David, whom the king called Belteshazzar, was found to have a keen mind and knowledge and understanding and also the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel, and he will tell you what the writing means. 
So Daniel was brought before the king, and the king said to him, Are you, Daniel, one of the exos my father, to the king brought from Judah? I have heard that the spirit of the gods is in you, and that you have insight, intelligence, and outstanding wisdom. The wise men and enchanters were brought before me to read this writing and tell me what it means, but they could not explain it. Now I have heard that you are able to give interpretations and to solve difficult problems. If you can read this writing and tell me what it means, you will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around your neck, and you will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered the king, You may keep your gifts for yourself and give your rewards to someone else. Nevertheless, I will read the writing for the king and tell him what it means. Thus far the reading of God's word. In 2.19, from the book of Daniel, the first four chapters, I brought a message in series entitled, Serving God in a Hostile Environment. I have recently been doing more studying in this book, and now plan to bring a few more messages from Daniel. The book's overall theme is God's sovereignty, as he uses believers and non-believers to accomplish his will. In other words, God is in complete control of everything that happens. However, as I have already stated, another theme is found in the book, and that is serving God in a hostile environment. That is precisely the situation Daniel and many of his other friends found themselves as they were taken captive into Babylon. Daniel was only 17 when he entered captivity. Yet God raised him up to be an influential leader who could interpret dreams, give wise advice and counsel, and hold key positions of governance under two world governments. The first was the Babylonian, and the second was under the Medes and the Persians. The first four chapters of Daniel's occur under the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, who reigned 43 years from 605 B.C. till his death in 562 B.C. Then there was approximately a 23-year gap between Daniel chapter 4 and chapter 5. As chapter 5 opens, Daniel could be around 70 years old at this time. According to verse 1 and 2, this king, Belshazzar, is called Nebuchadnezzar's son. So here's some background to give us a better understanding of this portion of scripture. During the, during the approximately 23-year period between chapters 4 and 5 of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar died and there was a fighting There was fighting, murder, and assassination amongst the family members as they jostled for the throne. And in the end, Nebuchadnezzar was married, married Nebuchadnezzar's daughter, became king, and they had a son, Belshazzar. Together, Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar co-ruled. Of the 17 years that Nobonius reigned, he spent most of his time on the battlefield while his son ruled as king at home. Thus, Belshazzar is not Nebuchadnezzar's son, but a grandson. This lineage record is in perfect harmony in many parts of the Bible and other historical literature. 
Sometimes there are names left out of the lineage. This morning, I want to begin with a question. How do you respond when you are asked to make a judgment call? Do you tell the truth, a partial truth, or perhaps say nothing at all? A friend of mine, Hendrik van, van der Brecken, a recent retired seminary professor, said this. Let me read a quote from him. He says, The airplane, the airplane single two-bladed propeller raises a question. Which of the two blades is more important? Of course, the answer is both are needed to fly. It's like asking a pair of scissors, which blade is more important? And the answer is, in order to cut, you have to have both blades. This brings me to thinking about the role and the truth in Christian higher education. Without love, truth is harsh, morally correct, but harsh. I think in the past, Christians have erred in this direction. However, without truth, love becomes whatever feels good. Without truth, anything goes. But we need to remember this. Truth informs love. Truth gives moral structure to love. It's not the case that anything goes in the name of love. In our cultural moment, I think we are erring on the side of love by emptying love of its true truth content. Love is love, after all we often hear. But such love is often empty of truth. Close quote. So we can see that as we speak the truth in any situation, it has to be guided by love and vice versa. I've entitled this message this morning, Speaking the truth in a volatile situation. For David, for Daniel was often caught in a situation where he had to speak for what he believed. Speaking the truth in a volatile situation, number one, first comes the wild party, verses one through four. Verse 1 says this, King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. Close quote. What makes this setting so dramatic and even crazy is if we understand what is happening behind the scenes. As this great party and banquet takes place for a thousand of the king's nobles, Babylon Babylon is being besieged by the Persian army. It's not that Belshazzar does not know about this, but rather that this young king thinks that the Babylonian empire is invincible. J.D. Pentecost puts it this way. Let me read a quote from him. He says, archaeologists have excavated a large hall in Babylon, 55 feet wide and 165 feet long, that had plastered walls. Such a room would have been sufficient in housing a gathering of this size. Belshazzar considered his city secure from assault because of its massive walls. Within the city were supplies that would sustain it for 20 years. I want you to listen to that once more. Within the city... There were supplies that would sustain it for
for 20 years. Therefore, the king felt that he had little cause for concern. Close quote. Belshazzar made several miscalculations as he throws this party. First, he had total disregard for his enemies sitting outside the door, seeking to destroy him and the empire. Second, these banquets and parties often turned into drunkenness and orgies. Third, he showed contempt towards God who placed his father and his grandfather Nebuchadnezzar in power by bringing the gold and the silver goblets from the temple of God into Jerusalem. Nebuchadnezzar had already learned the lesson in his reign. Fourth, as they drank the wine, they praised the God of gold and silver and bronze and iron stone. So what is so significant about this? The answer is that this is the material this is the material that the Babylonians fashioned and modeled into their idols of gods. They were idolaters and they worshiped dead images that could not hear, could not speak and could not save them. Belshazzar's grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar, learned this vital and essential lesson when, in his pride, God drove him into the wilderness to eat grass and act like an animal. And when he came to his senses, this is what he said in Daniel chapter 4, verses 34 and 35. Listen to what he says. At that time, uh, at the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven, and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most, ho- ho- Most High. I honored and glorified Him who lives forever. His dominion is eternal, is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases the powers of heaven and the people of the earth. No one can hold back. No one can hold back his hand or say, what have you done? Close quote. Belshazzar would have known about what had happened to his grandfather. His father, Nebonius, led a campaign to bring back the glory of Babylon, the Babylonian religion, and the refurbishing of the pagan temples. Belshazzar was trying to undo Nebuchadnezzar's praise and worship of the true God. This banquet was a drunk, wild, sensuous, filled with, uh, sensually filled with idolatry. When things like this happen, it's autom- this automatically leads us to the next step. Speaking the truth in a volatile situation, number two, is the finger appears and paralyzing fear follows verses five through nine. 
Daniel chapter 5, verses 5 and 6 now, as I read the first part. Suddenly the finger of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the war wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as he wrote. His face turned pale, and he was so frightened that his knees knocked together and his legs gave way. Close quote. One can only imagine what was taking place at this time. The wine barrels are flowing. The people are partying and drinking and feeling good as they get intoxicated. Suddenly, out of nowhere, the finger of a human hand appears and starts to write on the wall. It may be a human hand, but it is not attached to an arm or a body. It is a supernatural intervention from God himself. There is a hush that falls over the crowd at this time. Nobody is laughing. Nobody is mocking. Nobody is making fun of God or his servants or the silver and the gold goblets that had been brought in from the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem, from Jerusalem. The same king stood to his feet, his bowels boiling, his knees knocking, and finding his legs giving way. He falls to the ground. He is terrified, and pandemonium has set in. And many of us have never experienced pandemonium and what it's like to be totally incapacitated by fear. My brother-in-law, who used to work for the police tactical team, told me, that when they would burst into a drug house that they with a ramming bar, they would come in so fast and so hard that the drug lord's bowels and bladders would literally let go. These drug lords often have pit bull dogs, rock wilers, as well as other type talk uh, attack dogs. And they would you, and when the tactical teams would come in with such force, these animals began to shake and cower into a corner. I believe from the description of how Belshazzar reacted that this was what he experienced that day. Obviously, he knew judgment was around the corner. Verse 7 tells us that the king called for the enchanters, the astrologers, the diviners to be brought in. He even offers them a huge reward. Whoever reads this writing and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around his neck and he will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. The gold chain would have been of great monetary value, but nothing compared to being made the third ruler in the kingdom. Why third ruler in the kingdom? Remember the answer is that Belshazzar and his father Nabonidus co-ruled together. So the wise men of Babylon came and verse 8 tells us that they could neither read nor interpret the writing on the wall. This is the same scenario that took place with his grandfather Nebuchadnezzar so many years ago when he had a dream. He called for the Babylonian wise men. And they came, but they could neither tell his dream or interpret his. Thus the wise men who claimed to have contact with the gods were no avail at all. This was because, verse 9, 
says this. So this was not good because verse 9 says this. So King Belshazzar became even more terrified and his face grew pale. His nobles were baffled. Yes, pandemonium had set in. I'm sure that King Belshazzar was asking himself the question, how could such and how could everything go so wrong? The answer is that he never learned his lesson from his grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar. Next week, we will learn more about Daniel and his calling and when he's called in to read the writing on the wall to give the interpretation. However, here are three things I believe we can learn from this passage of Scripture this morning. First, King Belshazzar's banquet was a drunk, wild, sensual party filled with idolatry. We don't know how to go to, or we don't have to go to a party such as this to be guilty. If we watch it on our television screen, computer, or phone, this can bring the wrath of God. Second, none of us worship idols made of gold, silver, or some other materials. However, suppose our hearts are drawn in pursuit of materialism in which our energy and time and working for them and enjoying them become so important, even more important than spending time with God. In this case, we are committing adultery and may not even know it. And finally, the finger of God appeared. Appeared. Belshazzar went into the world system to get his answers. They could not give him the answer, and they cannot give the answer to you and I when we have problems today or when we have difficulties or hardship. There is only one place to go, and that is to the Word of God, the Bible, and to the Lord in prayer. He is the only one who can guide and lead us and give us the answers that we need. May we seek God in everything we do, rather than turn to the world and its answers. Our closing song is Bind Us Together. together
As we close the service, I want to close with this benediction found in Romans chapter 15, verse 13. I think it's such a powerful verse. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Close quote. I pray that this will be a week where you will walk with God and you will trust him with your heart and everything and put your faith completely in him. So I thank you for joining us this morning and we look forward to worshiping you with you next week.